One of my first adventures was college. Not my very first, but yay, college. So if you're in college, you know, it's the best seven years of my life. Um, no, just kidding, six and a half. I loved, I mean, I really, I loved high school, though. And, but when I was done with high school, I was ready to leave. I was ready to leave um, what I knew. I was ready to leave my friends. I was ready to leave being dependent on my parents. I was ready to go to this new unknown place where I didn't really know anyone. None of my friends were going there. I'd only visited the school once, but I was ready to go. And if you've ever left what you've known to go to a place that you haven't known or is unknown, sometimes it can be scary. I mean, unless you're 18 and invincible, which I was. I mean, really, I didn't think I needed God. I didn't think I needed anyone. And so I went. Um, I think we even have a picture of me on my little traveling adventures. Yeah, I know. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll notice that those are pleated jean shorts. Uh, you can't tell from the picture, but I have, like, black pump Reeboks and my shirt's tucked in. Uh, yeah. About seven weeks into college, I realized I did need people in my life. I needed friends, and I did need God, and I met uh, a man named Bart. Bart was from Wyoming, the state. There are actually people that live there, and... Um, And he had just said yes to Jesus. He turned his life over to God seven months after seven months of laying in a hospital bed, which is another story for another message. Um, But he, after graduating, worked at this Bible camp in Wyoming. And he said, you need to come and work at this camp. And I'm like, thanks, that's okay. Uh, I I was going to be an engineer. I had an engineering position. Uh, My summers, I made ten times what I would make at camp. Ten times the amount of money. This was in my field. This is what I was going to do. I'm like, this is known, baby. I, I mean, like, good job for working at camp. For two or three years, he recruited me over and over. But uh, my third year, my friend had transferred schools. My dating life was in the toilet. My shoulder was all torn up, so I was spending um, my college swimming career on the bench. And uh, I didn't love engineering. I didn't even like engineering. Like I would go to these, I would go back for the summer and I would watch these, and engineers are important. Like I love a good bridge and I love a good road and I love a building that stands up. You're good people. But it wasn't me and I just didn't know what to do because I was expected to be an engineer. This is what I was good at. The track was set for me and my friend Bart calls me up in March of my third year and he says, you know what? Like, this camp needs you. Well, I mean, you need me. Uh, okay, fine. If the guy calls me, I mean, it's God, God's got to be really clear on this. Fifteen minutes later, I get off the phone with the camp director, and I'm hired, making 12% of what I would make <laughs> instead of just 10. And 10 days into working at that camp, it's a Thursday night, June 10th, 1996. I'm walking up the side of a hill, I think we actually have the pictures from this camp. I'm walking up the side of this hill, and I hear the unmistakable, although inaudible, voice of God. And God just says, Rob, I'm calling you, but I'm calling you to build people, not bridges, not roads. So follow me. I went back to school my fourth year, on track to graduate in four or four and a half years, And I went, I need to change majors. And it made no sense to my engineering dean, who didn't know my name. 
it made very little sense to my parents, who were like, we're not funding your school for two or three degrees. Uh, it made very little sense to my friends. It didn't even make all that much sense to me. But I knew in the heart of hearts, deep down, that God had called my name. And he'd call me to go to this place where I didn't have all the answers. And so I went. Now, what would you do or what have you done if God has called your name? Maybe he hasn't called it vocationally, but he's called out to you. And he's, he's saying, come, follow me. And just as we're in the very beginning stages of being this new church, second service, um, of seeking God, we believe that God has called and is calling people, not just to here, but to him, to himself. And as we look at these men from the Bible and their families, I think we'll see things that relate to our own lives. So with that, there's a guy named Abraham, or Abram, from Genesis 12. So if you have your Bibles, or if you have your Bible on your phone, you can take it out and look at Genesis 12, chapter 1. Genesis 12.1, it'll be on the screen, but it's more fun to take notes in your own Bible. Genesis 12.1 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, leave your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. Now, I had a seminary professor who would say, What's the story? He was really big on story. What's the story here? And I think it's an appropriate question to ask. What's the story here? Who's this Abram guy or this Abraham guy? Same guy. Um, Abram was from a place called Ur. It was in the land of the Chaldeans. And in Ur, they worshipped other gods. They worshipped false gods. They worshipped idols. They mainly worshipped this moon god. And it says in the book uh, just before this that Abraham's dad's name was Terah. His uh, brothers were Nahor and Haran. But Haran, uh, it says they all got married. Haran had a son, and his son's name was Lot. But then Haran died while still in Ur where they worship false gods. And Genesis 11 says that Abraham married this girl named Sarah, and Nahor married this girl named Milcah. And one day, Terah took his son Abraham, his daughter-in-law Sarah, and his grandson Lot, and they moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. 11.31. He's got, he had three sons, Abraham, Nahor, Haran. Haran died. He's got Nahor and Abraham. And he takes Abraham, his wife, Sarah, his grandson, Lot, from, the son, or from his son who died, and they leave Ur. There's a Chinese proverb that says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. So Terah took a step. Abraham took a step. What about Nahor? Nahor stays. He stays in the land where they worship other gods. It's got to be pretty nice there because they don't have Wells Fargo in Ur. They don't have um, investment properties or investments. So your dad literally is the bank. That land, the cattle, the livestock you own, the wealth you acquire, it is in your dad's name. And Nahor gives that up. He doesn't go because he doesn't know. I think he doesn't know what's coming. And Ur 
although a little bit weird, they might worship false gods, it's safe, it's known, and he stays. We can't get inside his head, but he stays there. And maybe in your life you feel like Nahor, like this guy missed God's invitation for his life. Terah doesn't exactly know what God is saying. He just knows they're supposed to leave Ur. They're supposed to go to this place. And Abraham says, okay. And his grandson Lot says, okay. And the wife says, okay. And Nahor says, no thanks. Maybe you feel like you've missed God's invitation for your life. I was sitting with one of my neighbors a couple weeks ago. We were having a campfire in the backyard, and he said, it must be nice to have, like, your values and, and your work and who you are, like, all fit together. It's like, well, what do you mean? He said, like, well, your job. You, you believe in God, right? Yes. <laughs> and, and you get to talk about God and, and work for God. Yes, that it is. It's cool. And he's like, I don't have that. I said, well, tell me about your work. And, and he's like, well, you know, I work. We don't exact, sometimes we're not always really above reproach, don't have a lot of integrity. Sometimes that's hard with my faith. But I'm talking about my faith. I don't have that. I said, I'm sorry, I'm a little dense. Can you please explain? And he's like, I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't grow up hearing these stories. When you say Genesis 12, I go, what? I, I'm like, we have kids, so we, we're trying to figure out this church thing and God thing, but I'm learning the stories for the first time. And I said, that's awesome. And he's like, well, it kind of feels like adult swimming lessons. Like, you're supposed <laughs> to learn this as a kid, and now you're this grown-up learning to swim. And I'm like, well, maybe. But maybe you feel like my neighbor. Like, I just missed it. I missed this invitation. Like, I'm 500 miles behind everybody else. Maybe it was a job that you missed. Maybe it was a college major. Maybe it was a girl or a guy. But you just feel like you've missed it. Let me tell you guys, if you think that one missed invitation to God and his story means that you can never make it, then, then your picture of God is just way too small. God is always into this coming back around and redeeming and giving another chance. And we find out later that Nahor does come back into the story. He's still in the land of Ur, but he comes back into the story. And, and if you've never had the chance, if you feel like you've missed the invitation for God to be writing your story, today you can decide, here God, here's the pen. So just hang on to that. If, if the rest doesn't pertain to you, that's okay. Um, it says in the book of Hebrews, much, much later, that when Abraham, by faith, left the place he knew to go to the place he didn't know, he was 75 years old. The, the, the author of that book adds, he was as good as dead. He had, I mean, like, if that doesn't say what it is, he was as good as dead. Maybe you feel like, like Abraham, like you just, you missed it, you were as good as dead. And God still calls him. And, and calls him, by the way, from a land where they worship other gods. A lot of times people think that, that Christians or people who claim God or Jesus, they're, they're perfect. Nothing could be farther from the truth. I mean, Abraham was in this place where they worshiped other gods. Abraham didn't even know God, and he revealed himself to him. God is into revealing himself to people that, that don't think they're close to him. So take heart in that. So Nahor stayed. 
But Terah stops. Terah's the dad. It says that, that he leaves the land, Genesis eleven thirty one. One day Terah took his son Abram and his daughter-in-law Sarai and his grandson Lot, and they moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans, and they were headed for the land of Canaan. That's the promised land. They were headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Just total coincidence that it happens to be his dead son's name. Maybe that's why they stayed. Then it says, short little verse, Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. So dad made it to this halfway point. It says earlier in the book of Hebrews, or in the book of Genesis, that Terah was 70 years old when he had these three sons. And then when Abraham was 75 years old, then he, was, he left Haran and went to the promised land. So if you add those numbers, yes, we're doing math on Sunday morning. 70 plus 75 is 145. And Terah lived for 205 years. Now, why would I do math on a Sunday morning? It must be important. It is. That means that Terah was still alive for 60 years in the halfway land, in the land where he stopped. And he watched not just his first son die, not just his second son stay in the land where they worshiped other gods, but then he watches his third and only son go, leave him and his inheritance and his family. And he still stays and we can't get inside Tara's head, so it doesn't do a lot of good. But what would compel someone to do that? I, I have to imagine it's because it's pretty comfortable there. I have to imagine it's because he's built um, a little wealth there. He's hearing his son go, you know what? God said, leave this place, Heron, and go to this promised land. Go to this land I will show you. And Tara might be going, but isn't this good enough? I mean, I followed you out of the land where you worship false gods. Isn't this good enough? I think a lot of people that live in the suburbs say, isn't this good enough? I mean, I go to church. I give money every once in a while. I even, like, I bought three magazines from three different kids for the same school because they came to my door and asked. I mean, isn't that good enough? We did some surveying when we, st when we were praying and processing about starting a church and where to do that, and we did a little radius study. You know what? The percentage of self-identified people who say, yes, Christianity. 79% say, yes, Christianity. Yes, I believe in God. 14% say, my faith is really important to me. What does that mean? I, I think God wants really important. He doesn't want halfway. I mean, he wants all of us. That's why one of our values is Christ-centered, so that Christ is in the center, and our life revolves around him. Everything. I think some of us are like Tara. I've been like Tara before. I want to know God, but be comfortable. I want to get away from the land of false gods and the way the land from evil things, but not really surrender my security, not really surrender my success, not really surrender my friends or my family or my comforts or my money. Maybe Tara said, I'll leave Ur, but I don't want to leave Heron. Maybe we say, well, I'll volunteer for this good thing, 
but, but I'm not going to give up this. Name your private sin. Thing you do that you don't want anyone to know about. I'll, I'll read my Bible, God, but, but my homosexual neighbors who are sick, I don't, I don't really want to bring them dinner. And that's uncomfortable. I'll, I'll become a pastor, but I don't really want to start a church. <laughs> Tara said, I'll follow you halfway. Maybe. So if you believe in Jesus, if you know Jesus, if you want to follow Jesus, then I would ask you, challenge you to ask him, God, is there anywhere in my life where I'm following halfway? And what do I need to do? What do you need to do in my life to change that? Now, if you're still trying to figure this faith thing out, then you need to hear something different. Because you might hear following God halfway or not following him halfway equals perfection. And I'm not saying that. If you have to be perfect to follow God, then I could never give another message. I couldn't lead a church. I couldn't do this again. Tara wasn't perfect. Abraham for sure wasn't perfect. So don't mess following God fully or letting God write your story with perfection. It's just not there. It's about faith, which is about trust. And trust isn't about perfection. It's just about saying yes. That's what Abraham or Abram did, his wife Sarai or Sarah. They stepped out from the halfway point into this place where they fully trusted God. They went from the place where they knew to the place where they didn't know. They didn't get there immediately. They still lied. They doubted. They sinned. But they also trusted. They asked forgiveness. They had faith. They grew in their faith. They ultimately got this relationship restored with God. They took a step away from security, though. They took a step away from extended family. They took a step away, literally, from their identity. And they had to step out. And sometimes taking steps towards God means taking steps away from something else. And really, what details do they have? At this point, all he said was, we're going to go to this land I'm going to show you. Where's that? I'll show you. <laughs> go. And then I'll show you. They have this pipe dream promise from God. They're 75 years old and 65 years old, respectively. And they're told they're going to have kids and land and descendants and dream and blessings. And that's all they got. But they take the step. That's what God wants from us. Some people think that that a step or a relationship with God is just saying, okay, God, save me, and that brings us from damnation to heaven or salvation. And in a matter of speaking, yes, it does, but it means so much more than that. The Bible says that Abraham was friends with God. I don't necessarily, that, that phrase needs a little bit of unpacking, but what I think it means is that's where we get this personal relationship with God, that God wants to know us. He wants us to trust him. Abraham went from saying, okay, I'll walk with you to this unknown place to the point where he said, nothing will come before you, God, even my very own son. Nothing. That's what I think when it says faith is really important to us, that nothing comes before God. That's what Abraham and Sarah did. I think that's the call of God for us.
Now, you still might have a ton of doubts, a ton of questions, um, fears, sin. That's okay. God didn't take Abraham to this place of perfection and then say, okay, now. He said, come, we'll work on that stuff. Give me the pen that you write the story of your life with. Let me be the one who writes that. And there may be pain that is written into that story. There may be trouble that's written into that story. But there will be hope. There will be peace. There will be joy that's written into that story. And Abraham experienced that. But sometimes taking a step towards God means taking a step away from something else. So I don't pretend to know your life. I know that God's been working on my life, on what it might mean to take a step away from stuff. But maybe for you, it's starting school or taking a class. Maybe for you, it's quitting a job, even in this economy. It's just, I got to do it. Maybe it's beginning a relationship or ending a relationship where God is saying, take a step towards me. It might mean taking a step from somewhere else. I don't know what it might mean, but I know God wants to tell you what it is for you. Um, Even if your life looks more like the guy Nahor who stayed in the land where they worshiped other gods, God still calls his name. Even if it's the place of halfway, God still calls Terah's name. And sometimes it's not this gigantic thing. I think a lot of times the biggest blessings of God come from the very smallest steps of faith. I couldn't stand here today if I hadn't taken that little tiny step on the phone with my friend Bart. Okay, I'll work at a camp. And huge blessings from my life have come from that one small step. I'll end and wrap up with Hebrews 11.8. Hebrews 11.8 says, It is by faith, it was by faith, that Abraham obeyed God when he called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going. What does that step of faith look like for you today? even if you don't know where it's going. I mean, we don't know exactly where we're going as restoration. I have an idea, but I know that God is writing that. I know that God has those details down, so I don't need to pretend or control that. And maybe part of the step for you is to say, all right, I'll put my lot in with you guys, even though you're a ragtag bunch of misfits. You seem to like be kind of funny. Um, we'll go. I don't need to know all the answers. And that'd be cool, but... But what we're trying to do is say yes to God as a group. Individually, yes, but as a community. God wants to see people as a community take steps towards him. So maybe it's to say yes to God today. Okay, in front of my doubts and my fears, I'm going to say yes. Maybe it's to join us. Maybe it's to walk away from something else, some idol in your life. But what would it look like? Because here's the truth of it. God wants you to get where God wants you to go way more than we want to get where God wants us to go, individually and as a community. So what does it look like for you to say yes? I'm going to have the band come up and we're going to pray. So just take a moment and think, God, what would it mean for me to say yes to you?
God, thank you that you want us to get to where you want us to go more than we want to get where we want to go and even where you want us to go. Thank you for that hope in that verse that says, by faith, Abraham went and obeyed you without knowing where he was going. God, lead us to the place where you want us to get. Individually, yes, but as a community of people that want to say yes to you. Holy Spirit, show us in our life where we're living halfway. Show us in our life where we're saying comfort over obedience. God, not, not for anything more than, than a bigger picture of you, than a, a, a better relationship with you, than, than sharing hope with a broken world. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.